there, y'all. Welcome to our next episode of Champagne Cinema, the show where we do what we do best, which is watch films, drink wine, and then whine about them. My name is Chris, and joining me today is C. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us again this week, and welcome to 2022. It's hard to say it. I get used to 2022. <laughs> I just can't believe it's 2022. I remember when it was 2002 and 2012, and I was also alive in 1992 so i'm old as fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah 2002 is when i went into high school i don't remember anything in what 2020 2012 oh my god i can't 2012 that i remember i moved back from london in 2011 right at the end of 2011 so 2012 was when i was like starting to live in brisbane again after being away for two years that's what i remember so just the standard going out getting drunk no idea what I was doing then. So since we're in the new year, what are your new year's resolutions? Do you have any? I had to think on it because I, I tend to not really be a super resolution person. I have a really thoughtful resolution. I feel like as I get older, I'm becoming more thoughtful <laughs> or not. But it actually came to me because I don't know if you've noticed on Wikipedia, they like ask you for a donation all mm -hmm. the time. Because like, how else do they make money? I don't even know how they make money. And I've never donated to Wikipedia, but then I've been I've been using Wikipedia for a really long time, like really long time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? I'm at that point in my life. I can donate some money to this cause. Like I use Wikipedia. I love Wikipedia, even for its fakeness sometimes, but I get some good trivia from that stuff, looking up celebrities and their love lives and random things. So I gave them $10. So I think my new year's resolution is just being a bit more thoughtful with like donations. I've never really actively donated to things, but this year I've started noticing that I have started donating a lot more to different areas and not just Wikipedia. This is just where it came from. So I just want, I'm at the, luckily in that position, I can donate a little bit of my money to causes I believe in. So I think that's like what I want to do is just try and find some more organizations that I can give to, or like that could be money or my time, but yeah, more to come. Keep me honest. <laughs> no, that's a good one for sure. I mean, I do like random one-offs so around like holiday time, like, you know, giving little gifts for the families or something and always pets, like animal stuff is always really big for me, but that is a good one. Mine, I mean, my cheesy one is just like, try to be more grateful, especially when like, you're not feeling grateful, just be more present in that. <laughs> and being like, it could be a lot fucking worse. And then I was just wanting to like one month give up sweets. I don't know what month yet. But one month. And I've done it before and it wasn't that hard. I mean, I'll still have some kind of sugar stuff. I'm not going to be like no sugar, but just like no desserts and stuff. I feel like February is a good month for that I kind think so of too. stuff. Yeah. January's just too hard. We're already in the middle of January. So I feel like February is a good one. Yeah. I think it's just, I sometimes get in a lot of sweets and then I'm like, just feel sick all the time. And it's like, you need a detox. <laughs> it's not like wow. a big reason. It's just like, I just need to not have all these like sweets in me for a while. I did not realize sweets and candy were a big thing for you. I feel like we never eat them that much. No, I go through periods. I just eat like little things here or there. If I ever just have too much chocolate, oh, it can really like take me down. <laughs> you should eat dark chocolate because it's like, oh, I feel yeah. like it fulfills your I just, more. I think chocolate overall can just 
fuck with me, but those are my two. We'll see how we do. Pretty basic. Yeah, I don't definitely don't try and do more. Like I beat my New Year's resolution last year in June. So my resolution last year was to read six books, like fiction novels in one year. So I was going to do one book every two months and I killed it. I read a book a month until June and I was like, okay, I've done this. Let's keep doing it. And then I got to it and that is three books in one. So (laughs) still humming along there, but I was very proud of myself for getting my New Year's resolution out the door by June last year. Yeah, you did it. I can't really do that one because I'm in a book club. So that's like my motivation right there. So I kind of have to. I don't have to, but I'm like, I'm going to read it. I'm going to be one of those people. I hate the people that just never read. If you're my book club, I'm sorry. Love you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for this week's film and our first review of 2022, it is a goodie. It is 1997's American American, neo-noir crime film directed and produced and co-written by Curtis Hansen. He is a triple threat. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Directed, produced, and co-wrote. Oof, that's a lot. It was starred Russell Crowe, Guy Pearce, Danny DeVito, Kim Basinger, and Kevin Spacey. Boo. But anyway. (laughs) We can't help us in the film, guys. Sorry. (laughs) So the film is LA Confidential. So before we dive into this discussion, please remember that this podcast contains spoilers. If you've never seen LA Confidential, you should probably go watch the film first and come back and listen to the episode as we will have spoilers throughout. Okay, so LA Confidential, we've both never seen this film. Nope. Correct. Mm -hmm. All right. Which I'm excited about and you're excited about. It's been a bit. It's got a fucking great cast. All the Australians you could ask for. Okay, two Australians. I was going to (laughs) say. Two of the best Australians you could ask for. So LA Confidential, it's film synopsis just from Google.com is... Three policemen, each with his own motives and obsessions, tackle the corruption surrounding an unsolved murder at a downtown Los Angeles coffee shop in the early 1950s. Detective, I'm going to, Detective Lieutenant Exley, who is played by Guy Pierce, <laughs> the son of a murder detective, he got some issues, is out to avenge his father's killing. The ex-partner of Officer White, Russell Crowe, implicated in a scandal rooted out by Exley was one of the victims. So does that make sense? Russell Crowe's ex-partner was implicated by Exley. So I feel like Guy Pearce and Russell Crowe are going to team up. I mean, I'm just excited that we're doing like a murder drama. Like I just, I love those kind of shows. There's more, just FYI. Sergeant, I want to pronounce this wrong, Vicenis, Sergeant Vicenis who was played by Kevin Spacey, who I'm not excited about, oh, but whatever. This has not aged well. Yeah, but it I mean, it plays to him being a terrible person. person. <laughs> he feeds classified information to a tabloid magnet who's played by Danny DeVito. That is all that this plot says. What about the, the lady? She's like on the front. Well, she is obviously not as important to Google's okay. film synopsis at this point. I'm guessing she's just the standard hot chick, but this is really about Guy Pearce and Russell Crowe. Okay. But it's in the 1950s glamour, so Mm -hmm. that's going to be great. I'm going to love that. Oh, Kim Basinger. She's in, like, front and center in this, like, main 
movie picture. So, well, I guess we'll see. She's probably just like some love conflict. Yeah, I don't... Love I, triangle, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. I do, Guy Pearce and Russell Crowe are both going to be pretty young and fine in this film. I think this is like... I know this is Russell Crowe's like big arrival in Hollywood was this film. Did you say what year? What year did it come 1997. out? 1997. Yep. And it was it came out in Cannes first, which was very well received in May and then got released in September in the US. I haven't... Like, I've known of it, but I haven't really heard anything about it, so I don't... I didn't I'm going know, into this pretty blind. I didn't know it was filmed. It was. It's based in the 1950s. I thought it was based in the 90s. Yeah. So now I'm less kind of excited because I love a 90s kind of film. But oh, I love a 50s film kind of film. It's in the 90s. It's going to be fine. Russell Crowe does no the wrong. The clothes. Oh, it's going to be good. Guy Pearce does no wrong, let's be honest. They're both great. They're both great Australian actors. <laughs> <laughs> You're already, like, defending them. Nobody's upset. Nobody's, <laughs> Nobody's upset yet. <laughs> Nobody said they don't need to be defended. They are amazing. (laughs) Any new listeners, we're gonna watch Gladiator one day for like my millionth time. But Russell Crowe is prime specimen in that film. I've seen Gladiator just a long time ago. So for the plonk, we are going with a red, a Cabernet Sauvignon from Stag's Canyon Ranch, Napa Valley. We like our Napa Reds. Yes, we really... I was about to, like, go, oh, we should drink another Pinot, and then I'm like, okay. (laughs) This should just be, like, the Pinot podcast, because that's all, like, we do. I know, it's like, when are we going to do, like, Merlots and all the other stuff? Or Chardonnay. We're not going very... (laughs) Oh, I mean... (laughs) A buttery Chardonnay. I feel like it's normally, like, Pinot or Cab, and I feel like maybe we haven't done a Cab. Maybe we do need to do a Chardonnay and really just, like... You know, we need to he- we need to have the good and the bad and the ugly, but we haven't had a bad in a while <laughs> and the ugly. So this is fourteen point five percent alcohol. Also, Nick bought that one, so it's from his collection, and he said it was around twenty dollars from Trader Joe's. Cheers! Cheers. Sniff it. <laughs> I went straight for the drink. Mm. I it really every ooh it went up to my nose nostrils. It was very acidic. I l- held it in my mouth, and that felt kind of acidic, like just a little bit more tang. That's what she said. Held it in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know all about it, you dirty skank. Yeah, it's got a lot of. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm a lady. You know you're good friends if you can call each other that. <laughs> I didn't even notice. It took me like five seconds to realize you called me a dirty skank. Because you thought it was probably a compliment, which it was. <laughs> no, yeah, it's got it's got a lot. I feel it going down. I mean, I like it, but... It's heavy. It's heavy. Uh, than the usual. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do well on Merlot's. <laughs> Is it even heavier? I think so. Oh, I didn't know what direction they went. I think Cav Savs are like, from my understanding, the step up from a Pinot. And then a Merlot is, like, the heaviest. Googling. What's the heaviest wine? Oh, fuck. A Cab Sav is. <laughs> Jesus. All right, we should probably try some Merlots then. Clearly, I don't know shit about wine. Okay, so I got the wine ranking of light to heavy so, 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 so wrong. And I apologize to all the wine gods. I actually really thought I knew a little bit something about wine. It was very clear I need to learn some more. All I really know is what tastes good 
And I honestly thought Merlot was the heaviest. You're a creature of habit. So you stuck with your Pinot Noir. (laughs) My Pinot and my bubbles. But I I am going to claim, I think I confused it with Malbec, which is heavier than a Pinot, but it's not as heavy as a Cab Sauvignon still. (laughs) But it's heavier than a Merlot. But maybe this just should be one of my resolutions is to also take a wine course, like a real wine course, not just a wine tasting. We should definitely do that. That should be like our podcast resolution. It's about time. We've been talking about it for so long, even before we were doing this. And we've just proven that we really don't know that that much about wine unless it's this tastes good, this tastes bad, this is heavy, this is light, this is buttery. (laughs) (laughs) That's all we got. (laughs) We know some words. We just don't know all the words. (laughs) I want to learn how to smell scents, but I don't know if you, mm. maybe you can't learn that. Maybe you're kind of more born with it. Well, but we'll find out. I'm would I love think to do that. We we keep saying nodes, but we're like don't really know what the nodes are. <laughs> I'm like berry. It has a node of grape. And you're like, okay, we need to be better at this. Yeah, we definitely do. Uh, so trivia. These are some fun ones, actually. Um, Look them up. So LA Confidential has a few little areas. I feel like nothing beats some of the older movies. Like I do think Apocalypse Now is never going to be beaten with trivia. (laughs) But LA (laughs) Confidential has fun fun ones. So first off, it is based on a book series and is number three in the series. Oh, so it's like the same cop people? Is that maybe like, Mm -hmm. or is it just like in LA, I guess? Just like LA cops? didn't dive that much into it so I have no idea <laughs> I mean it's got to be something like that just like the whole mob and LA and bad cops good cops yada 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 maybe the whole book's just based on one of the cops like maybe it's based on Exley or um white what or... is white yeah I don't know didn't look that far into it I was just like it's based of a book anyway some of the events in the film are true. Mm. So there really was a Christmas Eve police riot, which happened in that jail. And there was also a celebrity gossip magazine called Hush Hush, which I love. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> and that was when like they were attacking all those Mexicans in the jail cells. Yeah. Yeah. Which was just so problematic. (laughs) And they were all drinking. They were all like drunk, drunk cops and beating, beating up like, you know, people and just beating up anyone in jail cells, obviously racial beatings aren't good either, but yeah, I was like, that's interesting, but that's, I like that the fact that I base this on some truth from the Uh 1950s. Yeah. This one is good. So it was nominated for nine Academy Awards in 1997, including Best Picture. It won two, which was including Best Supporting Actress for Kim Basinger's role and Best Adaptive Screenplay because it's based on a book. Can you guess who won all the other major awards that year? I don't – can you give me a hint? <laughs> like where is this coming from? There was definitely enough room for him on the door. I'm missing completely what you're trying to tell <laughs> Titanic. me. Titanic. Titanic won oh, everything. <laughs> the door. Well, that makes sense why they won so much. Yeah. I looked at that being like, oh, yeah, that's solid. I understand. Titanic's a really good film. Yeah. <laughs> Side note, they, I think they did a recent interview with Leo or somebody, and he was like, yeah, they totally could have fit me on that door. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Leo's like, yeah, I could have fit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
dear. More more fun facts. The casting of little-known actors as detectives Bud White and Ed Exley. So they did this because they audience wouldn't have any preconceived notions about what the characters were going to be like. I really like that. Even though they're bigger names now, they did it on purpose because no one knew who they were. And obviously they both turned out to be Australian imports, which I love. (laughs) But they also then cast Danny DeVito, Kevin Spacey and Kim Basinger to attract people to see the film as they were like more well-known. And that's why Basinger is like front and center on the yeah. poster and so spacey. spacey. They were the mm-hmm. supporting roles, but people were like, well, we can't put Guy Pierce and like, you know, uh, Russell Crowe on the front. No one knows who the fuck these guys are. So let's put the people that are like <laughs> not in it for very long. <laughs> They're like way in the back as like little teeny people in the back, like, cause it go- kind of goes inwards. But yeah, you know, cause when you read the plot, it's like, wait, she's like the, f- the big one yeah. on the Thing. like why are they not talking about her she is in the film she won an oscar let's get this right but she is in the film for 15 minutes well that supporting. Is her time. Yeah. supporting but 15 minutes i was like that's like pretty comparable to emma stone's kind of you know supporting actress award from birdman because she was not in that film at all but it's why obviously she's really prominent on those posters so it's because they cast these guys that they're like well, shit, they're great, but no one knows who they are. So, like, let's get some big names in here to support them. So I found that really – it was it made a lot of sense. Okay, so before we dive into our first topic, I know you want to shout out to the Russell Crowe. Oh, Russell. <laughs> Look how gorgeous he is. And then we cannot leave out Guy Pierce. Oh, I'm into him. Guy Pierce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's hot as shit. I think they just deserve a moment of silence and respect. I just love them so much. <laughs> One, two. That, that is the moment. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Moving on. <I'm- laughs> I do love some Russell Crowe. Didn't love his oh. haircut. It kind of was hard for me. but I So I was much more into Guy Pierce in the movie, personally. Which is, which is fine. You can yeah. swing both ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to do an overview of the story because when we read like the plot, I had no idea it was coming and I just feel like there's a lot more details that make more sense. So just to kind of give more of a dive into because our first topic is all about bad cops or like bad copping because this is like <laughs> the whole film is about corrupt cops. Yes. So in case you forgot – It gets a little bit complicated being a crime murder mystery. So it starts off with a group of people that are killed in a coffee shop and it includes a cop and an escort. Uh, So the film becomes a bit of a whodunit. Initially, the cops identify a group of black youths from very basic and not solid evidence and then a bit of interview harassment. And then they're like, okay, case closed. We got them. But... They didn't, obviously. So Officer Bud White and Officer Exley, I think he turns into Detective Exley, which is Russell Crowe and Guy Pierce. they separately, not together, separately start recognizing that things don't quite make sense. There are gaps in the story, and then they eventually realize that the captain of the police department, who is played by James Cornwell, who is best known for his role as the farmer and babe. Is he though, or is that how we know him? <laughs> Don't care. Our audience knows him as babe. If it's millennials, it's all about 
the babe farmer. Anyway, so <laughs> he is behind it all. He has been planning evidence and manipulating the system and has been the bad guy so that basically he could become this new kingpin drug dealer of LA and just make a shit ton of money. These are some shitty cars. Yeah, I just felt like it was very problematic how much bad copying, quote unquote, was going on in this film. So first we have Bud White, which he's pretty honorable, but he legit just gets into fights and has his temper with anyone. And usually it is to protect women. And so I can appreciate that, but it's just a little hot-headed. So that's not great. <laughs> and then Officer Exley, he's just a brown noser. He really just cares about like moving up the ladder. He is trying to follow the rules, but again, I think to move up the ladder and promote himself. And he doesn't really care who he steps on to get there, including the other cops, which of course they hate. And then we have <laughs> Kevin Spacey's character, which if you, anybody doesn't know, go look up Kevin Spacey in the last few years. <laughs> we don't like him. It feels weird to talk about him. <laughs> yeah, not a good guy. Um, but his character, he's arresting people in front of the camera and just trying to get fame and fortune out of it to make some money. So out of the three of them, it's not a great standard for cops in LA in the 1950s. Dirty cops. So many dirty cops. But they think they're doing like what's right, right and righteous, but it's not. But it's not. Well, I mean, they've probably done something There's really different wrong. kinds of legal justice. Yeah. It kind of reminds you a little bit of like the good, the bad, the ugly though, because they're like all, <laughs> it's like a choice of the bad bunch essentially, mm -hmm. because they're just all like very much out for themselves in a way. I do think that Bud White is probably the best character apart from his female issues, but I think he was the most honorable out of all of them. Yeah, I just didn't like that he kept putting the cop mentality and staying true to cops at such like an important level. Yeah, I feel like Exley and him are at two separate, complete separate things because you should like, you know, have the backing and support of your cop peers. You're in very dangerous situations and stuff, but to the extent that you're like overlooking when cops just kind of like make their own rules. Yeah. But do not get me started on the captain who really is a corrupt piece of shit who is making the whole cop force like run around in circles. It just seems so unrealistic that I have to say this shit definitely still happens in today's society. Oh, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. He was killed. This cop from Babe is the worst. Yeah, I mean, he got away with a lot. I'm hoping it's not that easy to slip through the cracks in that way nowadays. Ooh, but I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> it was super bad. And I think one of the first parts were like, oh, this is not good on how this department is ran is when they right away just racially profiled a group of black uh, young kids that were just in the park, in the area, and... It just seemed just like the easy answer. Yeah, I, I do think that like it happened so quickly. We were watching it being like, I remember watching it being like, they planted those guns. This doesn't really add up. Do you think that shit was planted? Like those cops were there. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I actually did really enjoy the scene where Officer Exley, so Guy Pierce, was interviewing three of them at the same time and he was playing like good cop and bad cop with everyone and getting them to drop the ball and like call each other out. Like I don't know if that's like 
honorable or like even politically correct or legal to do that but the intensity of it was great and guy was so good at it but you could tell in that watching it and i think guy started figuring out being like wait they're not really like they're answering these questions but are we talking about the same thing here like they were talking about one thing then done which is still bad and then guy pierce was talking about another thing Mm -hmm. and because they were both in the spectrum of doing illegal things they didn't quite catch them out, but even watching it being like, I don't, they're like kids. Like they, they don't really know what you're talking about. It made me remind me of that Netflix show, um, how to make a murderer. How to, is that what it was? Where like the cops kind of like berated the youth mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. admit they killed someone when they didn't. It just reminded me of that. But Guy Pierce, I think did a great job doing it. Yeah. I mean, cause those kids just never had a good motive you know the cops were just being lazy mm. it was a typical thing just to go towards and I did like that scene and he did do it really well and he did end up finding out about something really bad which is yeah them raping that girl but it's still not okay to you know accuse them of something that they didn't do when you don't have mm-hmm. real evidence and it's just like oh we well, yeah, guys like that'll do that well no you're being very prejudiced and that's not okay but I just, it still really bothered me how it's just like stick with other cops. Like cops don't do anything bad. You know, even if he did something bad, he's a cop. So you got to let it go. And that just really frustrates me. It's kind of stupid. Like he did do something wrong, but like, I won't go against my partner. But he did something wrong. So it's like that whole, like, just if you're a cop, you're a cop. Bullshit. Yeah. They probably need a better system, you know, like performance review or something <laughs> like rate each other's peers or something even though anonymous i don't know if they'll be truthful for your peers just like anonymous like you know surveys being like let us know what you think about your partner or like other people in your police force we do that at like corporate world they should do that in the police force yeah they should have definitely done that i mean i hope that they'd be honest but who the hell knows And so I finally, like, I think I want to close on that towards the end of the movie, everyone just keeps dying. So you're doing the whodunit. It's like Cluedo or something. You're trying to figure out who actually is behind all this. And then everyone slowly starts dying. Like the cops start dying and they shoot Kevin. Kevin Spacey figures it out and then he gets shot and then Danny DeVito gets shot. And then everyone just starts getting shot everywhere. And you're like, guys, we're like, we're running out of options here. It's getting messy, though. There's too many dead people. You're kind of narrowing down to who it is based on who's alive. <laughs> you're like, oh, it's pretty obvious now. Process of elimination. Yeah, yeah you're like, oh, it, oh, it's not him. Oh, no, it's not him. It's not him either. But I do really like now that you brought up the Kevin Spacey when he dies. I just loved he was so smart in saying that name that only Exley Mm -hmm. Um, knew that was related to his dad dying or something like that the made-up name of what he named his father's killer or something and that he did that and then the captain then said that to Exley and I was like oh that was so good that was good copying yeah it made me like his (laughs) character in the end because like he's dying but he's like oh no I'm still gonna stick it to you and it was just so smart those three cops though so Exley and white and whatever kevin spacey's character was called they kind of redeem themselves in the end a little bit Mm -hmm. because they come together even though they all hate each other and they're from different worlds apart from kevin spacey's character who gets shot but like bud and Exley come together even though we're about to talk about 
you know, their feud over a female. <laughs> but like they did it because they're good cops in the end. They wanted to solve it. They wanted to make sure that, you know, the right person was caught. Unfortunately, it was just like their corrupt captain was probably manipulating them for years. Oh, for sure. So many setups. So the bad copying for them, it turned into a little bit of good copying. Like, oh, yes. maybe there are some, like, maybe one or two good cops left in the world. <laughs> no, I know there's a there, lot more good there's cops. There's a lot I more. Actually really, I like cops. I think fundamentally cops, Yes, you know, there's a lot of probably bad cops. No, not as many bad cops compared to good cops, but the bad cops give cops a bad name. Too political. It's just <laughs> with this movie, it is very clear. It's just like a lot of shitty cops. So, you know, we're just talking about this movie. But <laughs> yeah, they definitely in the end redeemed themselves and tried to do the right thing once they realized what the hell was actually going on. <laughs> but then, yeah, now jumping to our second topic, which is the female and kind of leads into this love triangle vibe. We called it from the beginning on Lynn Bracken, which is Basinger's role in the movie. Kim Basinger is like the one female in this film. Is it going to get sexist? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Will there be a toxic relationship? So the answer is yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is just what we do, isn't it? <laughs> but a fun, a fun fact though, Basinger, she was 43 at the time of filming. Like, holy crap, she looked great. Mm -hmm. But in that, she was 11 years older than Russell Crowe and 14 years older than Guy Pearce. And so, like, that doesn't happen very often in Hollywood, but it kind of played to the maternal aspect and the age difference between Basinger and Crowe. Like, it kind of gave into the character romance as well as, like, Crowe's character. So Bud White had, like, a, you know, I'm not going to say a mummy issue but like he did there was he had issues around his mom and dad <laughs> yeah he probably like because he was such a big thing about protecting women and then she's like older so maybe it just felt like easier and she's more mature or something and kind of seemed like she had her shit together instead of having to like constantly be on edge but I'm still confused about that whole love triangle <laughs> yeah. and her role in the whole thing because she was sleeping with officer white which again uh, I was confused why do you trust her? Because he's putting his dick in her. But she did genuinely seem to care for him. But then <laughs> Officer Exley comes in and he can't resist her. So then she sleeps with him, which then again, I'm confused and annoyed with him. Can yeah. guys just like not act on a boner? Yeah, I feel like that was like not reciprocated. boner doesn't mean you need to do anything about it. God dang, this is stupid art. He's so like by the book, and that that, that just happens. didn't really make any sense to me no, whatsoever. Not for his character, what we've seen before. It's like, oh, I got a boner, my brain goes to mush. I'm gonna make out with this girl, even if she says no. I love someone else. <laughs> she wants me. I agree. It doesn't really add up. I mean, maybe I need to watch the scene again when Exley comes in. But I was just so so superstitious of her the whole time. And that part just didn't seem right. Like Officer Exley obviously didn't pay her for that sex. He's a cop. Mm -hmm. He just went there because he saw Officer Bud White go there and then he was talking to her and then he was like overcome with how beautiful she was. And he was like he just had to put his dick in her <laughs> because he could and he – it was a power move and he's a cop. And then they were all friends at the end as well. Like, girl, what are you – what are you doing? Why Why did she let Officer Exley kiss her and then 
sleep with her. It just was like really odd. And that's why I didn't trust her. I was like, she's playing you all. She wasn't, but she should have been. I'm trying to remember if we're missing something, but I can't remember what that brought to the actual plot or if it literally was just like, oh, she's hot and, you know, we got to put in some drama and he has sex with her. Because I can't remember like if she helped him or he helped her with anything at all. Maybe go find him. It lit the fire between White and Exley to not trust each other even more. Because I think Exley was actually trying to figure out what Bud was up to because like that's why he was kind of tracking him and he came to like Lynn's place. Again, doesn't make sense why he rocked up to Lynn's place and then decides to sleep with her. Yeah. And she allows him to do that. Yeah. Really, that's what doesn't make sense. And what, yeah, that's why I was like, I think she's part of it because there's no good reason why she would like allow this to happen if she's really into Russell Crowe's character. Mm -hmm. Or she's a hoe. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, just overall in this film, the whole female, pretty much every female in it was an escort. And their whole thing was they're like the movie star experts. So they would get surgery to look like movie stars like Rita Hayworth, which is gorgeous. And I'm pretty sure she got plastic surgery to look like her. But so men would pay this money to be with these movie stars. And it's just gross. Like, why is this happening? Did that actually happen? (laughs) Like, I want to know if this was a thing in the 50s where pimps, literally pimps, had ladies that got plastic surgery to look like certain movie stars so that men could be satisfied by sleeping with a movie star, quote unquote, even though it's not the actual movie star because they can't have them, but someone that looks like them and like their fantasies come alive. It's really weird. It was object. It was objectifying. And I'm just like, did this happen in the 50s? I'm sure. Like movie stars did this. Like they're there's a lot of stories about actresses back then and how poorly they were treated, like including Judy Garland and all this stuff, like all the things they had to do that were unsafe, like uh, making their hair bleach bond, like it was poisonous or they had to be like the certain way and they would just kind of go crazy and how they treated them. So I love the 50s. I'd love to live then, but then kind of not because of that. <laughs> I like the movie part in the movies, but yeah, so I... I think there's a good chance it was like that. But then the whole thing of like, oh, he looks like a movie star. And then Bud White sees this woman and they're trying to show this uh, love at first sight. But I think that's total bullshit. Personally, I don't really think that's a real thing. I think it's lust at first sight. (laughs) And he really kind of bought into the whole movie escort thing, except he wanted to actually be with her instead of just sleep with her one time. Yeah, I think again, Officer Bud has some has some issues around ladies. Like he likes to protect them and stuff. But then when he found out that Lynn cheated on him, he decided to beat her as well. Oh no! Oh my gosh! He's doing what he thought he would never do. Don't do he's, it. See, he's ashamed of himself. But he still did it. He doesn't get a pass. Go to therapy and deal with that shit before you hit a girl. But apart from that, no, I think he no, no, generally... no, 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 you're not, you're not di- jumping over that. <laughs> That's fucked up. It is, but I'm not. No, I'm not saying but is in like it's totally acceptable. It's not. I don't know why the hell she stayed around again. Ladies in the fifties. Yeah, I don't know why. She's like, I forgive him because he loves me. Yeah, it's passion. 
again, it's just toxic relationships. There's like three of them in this relationship. And like, he obviously, he, like I said, he just used to go to therapy. <laughs> we say that about so many. <laughs> we say it about every single person we meet. You, you need to go to therapy. <laughs> Have you talked to someone yet? Have you to therapy yet? <laughs> oh, if only Bud White got it. But I liked, I think he had good intent when he met Lynn. I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't think he saw a movie star. I, he doesn't look like someone that watched movies. I think he saw a beautiful woman, not knowing that she was made to look like a movie star. And he fell in love with the beautiful woman, not the movie star, but she was made to look that way. So he bought into, he bought into, she was made into a product that is made to make you love her based on what she looks like. Yeah. I mean, if she looked a different way, he wouldn't feel the same. But I get it. You got to be attracted to somebody. It is an important thing. That's fine. But they did, in the end, seem like they kind of might have a happy ending, you know? <laughs> Driving off into the sunset. Yeah. And then Exley got his promotion, and then the captain was in jail. So, woo. Happy ending <laughs> for everyone. Yeah. On to our honorable mentions. The first one is all the Australians. There's so many Australians. What a show. I'm also just so glad that Simon Baker was in this film. Like we were like watching it. We're like, wait, there's a third Australian that's in this film. And he like is in it for like a hot second. But I was just laughing because I'm like, there's all these Australian males that came out of this era that this is like their first big break in America is from this film. Yeah. And he's the guy from Devil Wears Wears Prada. The photographer? Was he the? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's the photographer. He's hot. And the mentalist, which I think he's probably more known for that because it was a TV show on the States Mm -hmm. that was, you know, for all audiences. Yeah. Uh, The next one is me being very immature. Just doing my duty. Am I such a child? And every time they say duty, I think. (laughs) Duty? (laughs) Uh, I think it's because it's like Joey from Friends or something like that, where I like can't ever not laugh in my head. Yeah, I just can't help it when people say that word. When I'm in like work calls and somebody says that, I'm like, (laughs) don't know why I'm such a child. Duty. Which is this annoying word in the movie, too, because it goes into the whole, like, it's your duty, you're a cop, you stick with it, da 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 and you don't turn your back on them. It's like, no, he did and something cops wrong. on duty. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly is Exley's teeny tiny gun. <laughs> Go into a house, and it's just like, pew. <laughs> Those little teeny guns, they make me laugh. <laughs> they just don't. They don't seem very intimidating. Team Australia. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. I just don't know how that's going to protect him. I feel like that gun is going to do no damage. Obviously, I don't have a gun or anything like that, but I was like, he had the smallest out of everyone. Why didn't he not have a bigger gun? It was ridiculous how tiny like, it was. White had like a shotgun probably. That's how I imagined it. I can't remember. No, he they did. Like- yeah. The other, he was always, whoever he was with, he had the tiny gun and then another cop had this big like shotgun. <laughs> yeah. Game up. Level up, buddy. <laughs> it's because he wears glasses. He's, he's, you know, a gentle soul with his little teeny gun. <laughs> remember they kept being like, take off your glasses and he can't see. <laughs> Yeah, don't tell someone that's wearing glasses to take them off. Bad copying. <laughs> yeah, I am like blind. Like I wear contacts. So someone's like, oh, take out your contact. I'll be like, oh, 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 like 
It's illegal for me to drive without glasses on or contacts, guys. You don't want me to take these off. <laughs> yeah, keep your glasses on, actually, until, until contacts are invented. Okay, time for our ratings of LA Confidential. First is script. I really like this script. I'm going to give it a solid 4.5. I'm going to give it a three. I wasn't that impressed. And I think I was lost when they were talking a bunch. I was like, what are they saying? What? And it just, I don't know. <laughs> it kind of jumped all over the place. Characters. I like the characters. I'm going to give them a four. I thought they were really good. Kind of how they cast them as well, as in like they cast people you didn't know. So you didn't have a preconceived notion because I didn't really like Exley. And then in the end, I didn't mind Exley. Mm -hmm. And Russell Crowe's character, like, you kind of like him the most, but then he hits Lynn and you're like, I don't like you anymore. I just like how they, you didn't really know where they're going to go with it. And like Kevin Spacey's character, you thought was going to be really shady, but he ended up partnering up and wanting to try and solve the crime. And then the captain, you didn't quite, he didn't seem that bad at the start. And then he was the bad guy. I just think they kept you on your toes. And like Lynn, I thought she was definitely involved the whole time and she wasn't. So I like that the characters developed and not in the way you thought they were going to develop, which was nice and refreshing. Yeah, I'll give it a four too. I thought they just had a lot of good variety also. They just like mm -hmm. really like hit every kind of character and they all did it pretty well and believable. And yeah, they some had more depth than others, which is good. Like the main characters had more depth. So yeah, plot. I'm going to give it a four as well. I really liked the plot. I thought it was really interesting. Um, and rare for me, I didn't know where they were going with it, like who done it. Usually I would think ahead and be like, this is, some, this is definitely this. But I didn't know who it was at that point. Like when we're following it along. I was like, I didn't realize it was going to be the captain, captain doing this. Yeah, I'll give it a four too. It was a good plot. It had a lot of, you know, twists and things were consistently happening. The only thing, yeah, we saw was it wasn't the black guys. <laughs> Other than <Yeah>. that, <laughs> we weren't really sure. We just knew that wasn't what it what happened. Yeah. Entertainment factor. Um oh, it held me. I'll give it like a three point nine. I think it, it definitely held me. Three point um, nine. I was going to say 3.75. Yeah. <laughs> that seemed too low. Yeah, 3.9. I don't know. It was good, but it... You had to pay attention. So yeah. it wasn't like an easy flow when like action... You had to really kind of pay attention to like what they were saying and what they were doing. Obviously, we missed the ball on why the hell Exley slept with Lynn. So like it didn't hold me the whole way because I am missing parts of the film in my head, but it definitely entertained me. Yeah, I at think a 3.9. It had some good like wow moments, but I think just overall like, some parts were just like hard to follow for me and it kind of would get lost a little bit. So, would you recommend? Yes, and I would say I would watch this again as well. Like if you haven't seen it, watch it, and if you've seen it, watch it again. I actually really enjoyed that element, and I don't say that that much about some of the films we've watched in the past. I would recommend. I don't know if I need to see it again. It's good, but I don't, I think I saw what I needed to see. <laughs> it's not like a, for me, like, oh, sit down and rewatch it again. It was good. Vibe, wine vibe. Yeah, it was heavier than I would usually drink. But I mean, it's good, but it's, it's, it's not that memorable. It's not like a, oh, give me another glass. Yeah, I think it was pretty heavy. Um, I mean, if you're into a cab sav, maybe give it a go, but I'm not going to like run to the store to buy another bottle of that. 
Yeah, I wasn't just like, oh, yeah, I can't wait for somebody to fill up my my glass again. You know, I'll drink it if it's in my glass, but it wasn't like a, a top runner, but it was good. Yeah, I didn't even think we had the full bottle. I think Nick and poured herself a glass. We're like, do you want some? So, which means like we're not that desperate for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're like, drink some, drink some. Oh, yeah, we were doing have that. Some. We're like, have yeah. some wine. <laughs> yeah, so I'm saying probably not, guys. You know, I mean, no, it's I mean, good. It just, it was good. That's it. It's not, yeah. If it if it's on sale. <laughs> I don't remember feeling <laughs> shitty the next day, so that's also good for it. Mm, uh, true, yeah. All right. Thank you all for joining us for LA Confidential. Leave us a review and comment on any movies you want us to watch and whine about. Don't forget to subscribe and find us on TikTok at Champagne Cinema, linked in the description. See you all next time. Cheers. Cheers.